Hi, I'm Drew. Thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're reviewing a twisted little tale called Spoonful of Sugar. If you like your slow burns and your mind fucks, then you should check it out. It's now streaming on Shudder. With us today, we have the director, Mercedes Bryce Morgan, with us uh, to take us even deeper into the movie. All that and more today on High on Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, well, I don't know about you, John, but uh, after that extensive intro, I could use a smoke. Let's get on into Strainwreck and not waste any time. Uh, I don't know if that was an extensive intro. It seemed pretty pretty to the point, but I mean, I'll use whatever excuse (laughs) I can to smoke. If you're a new listener, Strainwreck is the segment of our show where we discuss which strains we're getting wrecked on in each episode. Uh, John, I got you some gummies, brother. Okay. Check it out. I got you the good ones. Yeah, I got you the good ones. I always forget if I'm able to say their name on here. Go ahead. Who cares? Triple Hex. Yeah. Let's see. You got to break that seal. Yeah. Break that seal. I am fucking struggling. (laughs) You're like me. You don't have any fingernails, right? That's that's usually. (laughs) Let me see if I can get it for you. John is struggling. Oh, oh, remember what I said? You told me, but I fucked up anyway. Oh, these are (laughs) nice. They're like Christmas colors. And looks like a grape. So they say three of those will do a body good, but you know I do four. All right, I go with four. Yeah. So. Oh, thank you. So, uh, I'm glad you like the gummies and all, but uh, I forgot to tell it you something. Good too. Right, they're good, right? But uh, don't hate me because I forgot to tell you something. What's that? <laughs> so, you know, I got all that good bud that I showed you. Um, well. I smoked it all before our, before our recording session here, so I'm dry today, and I'm going to need you to carry us on this episode with weed. Oh, okay. I swear to God, I got the next episode, though, dude. There it is. You know, you're just trying to make me feel good with these gummies, and, and then you just hit me up with the bad news. I will say, now that I've ate those pieces, it's got like an after, little Look, aftertaste kind of to a bitter, it. Kind of a little, little, little bitter, yeah. Yeah, so... uh yeah, I mean, uh, I still got some of that Pineapple Fields uh, that we had where where the Monsters episode. Okay, I showed sweet. you one of those nugs. I should take a picture of it or something. That thing was fucking gigantic in the bag. Okay, so Pineapple Fields it is today. That's good. Yeah, I we mean, got the bong all packed up. Sweet. So, uh, I never played the game before, but since we talk about, you know, current events while we're smoking. Um, yeah, I never played the game, but I know it's popular. Um, and I know that you have played uh, Dead by Daylight. It's uh, getting a theatrical movie release by Blumhouse and Atomic Monster, James Wan's company, the same team that put together Megan. Oh uh, yeah, I was uh, I was telling you and Josh about this. I think late last week, uh, I saw the thing. Saw the thing. I saw the uh, ad on Facebook. But yeah, I love that game. I really suck at being a killer. You would think it'd be so easy. <laughs> maybe it's just me, and I'm terrible at it. I just think maybe I need to play more as a killer. Yeah. Uh, you think it's easy to be the shape, but it's not. Uh, he has like this special stalk skill and like you hold in a button and it doesn't play the Halloween music when you're around. So like the, the person doesn't know you're there. You're, you're stalking them. So. Okay. Okay. But in the game, you haven't played it. Um, you have to repair these generators and work together. And then you open these exit doors and get out. Um, 
but when he has like the stalk, like I said, there's no clues. Right. I will tell you, and our boy Kenny can vouch for me. I've audibly gone, oh shit, or yelled because I'm working on a generator and I'm moving the camera around, and then I just see like Michael Myers standing there. And even though it's a video game, it fucking got me. Then the music starts, like, I got that VR, man. That would be fun to get baked and play in VR. You're just playing a game in VR. Michael Myers is coming at you. <coughs> well, I know it's a popular game, man. Like, you and a lot of my other friends play it, so... Oh, it's so much fun. I know it's a popular game. Um, and Jason Blum, he um, he swears that everyone involved is a diehard fan of the game and said, quote, We know our partners at Behavior and Atomic Monster will help us bring the best version of this game to life. Did he say this while dressed as an animatronic female doll i don't know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean i guess we'll just have to wait and see if that's if that's true if there i mean i mean they could still be big fans of the game and still suck at making the movie so that's, yeah that's true but anyway uh i have to imagine uh it's got to be the original characters from the game the game got a lot of dlc so and i've bought a lot of them so i mean don't expect to see michael myers leatherface ghostface a lot of faces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pinhead, and pyramid pinhead. head. There's two heads. Uh, Freddy. Uh, and they even had survivors of, of uh, like, Laurie Strode. Uh, I don't think Bruce Campbell's going to be playing Ash in the movie. Okay. Because he's, yeah, right. he's one of the playable survivors. <laughs> I don't think he'll be in the movie, now. Yeah, I don't think any of the, like... I think it's just going to be their original characters from the game, I'd imagine. Yeah. And hopefully they got uh, they got Ren in there. How you doing? <laughs> well, I mean, though, uh, just to, to first off, that'd be hilarious if they tried to go full video game with it. Like, uh, what was the hell, what the hell was that terrible movie? The House of the Dead. That was it. If they went full blown video game with that, I thought where it was you like, were going to say full blown video game like Jumanji, and then you no, said sucks, no, no. and I'm like, wait, I like the Jumanji movie. No, no, no. House of the Dead, where like in the middle of like a zombie breakout or whatever, the the, the screen will pause, and like the you'll like pick a new player, and like Bruce Campbell will just be on screen that you can decide to play in that <laughs> scene as a as a character. That'd be ridiculous. But um, no, I can just say this though that uh, I don't know nothing about the game. Um, but I know that Blumhouse has been, besides Halloween ends, Blumhouse has been on a good role lately, and James Wan's even on an even better role. I think James Wan's yeah, amazing, personally. I love James Wan. So them being behind it gives me hope that for someone who hasn't played the game, that it would be a decent movie. Uh, James Wan gives me more hope than Blumhouse. Yeah, themselves. 100%. So... You know, with him, you'll at least be fucking scary. James yeah. Wan always packs the twists and the scares and, like, you know, so... Um, but yeah, okay, so next topic. The new Children of the Corn reboot came out to overall negative reviews. Have you seen it, John? No, and <laughs> no interest. I feel like Children of the Corn's like uh, Black Christmas. Each, each. Oh my God, that's a good, that's a good, good each comparison. Each one's worse than the previous. Oh, the, the, the original. Say, say the original's it. good. Right, right, right. But then as they've went through and tried to like remake or reimagine, each one's been worse. Yeah, man, I agree. Uh, it, it just looks like another one of the straight-to-video shit-fest sequels that that there have seems to always be. Ever since the first film came out, I don't even know how many Children of the Corn films there are. They're just they're fucking everywhere. And then the sequels all got all terrible. weird numbered. Like, you just randomly <laughs> named one 666. Yeah, I have no intention of seeing it. Um, if it happens, it happens. If it's one of those things, like it's playing on Tubi in a few months or something like that, I might catch it, but I'm not going out of my way to see it. I really don't care. Like, I have I have very little intentions of seeing this. Just wanted to know if you had any intention of seeing it, though. 
I don't. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't really... I saw I saw a thing that it was being done, and I was just went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just kept going about my life. <laughs> so, uh, I guess now might be a little time to get into some horror hiss. Yeah, let's do it. Horror history. This week in horror history... All right, let's start out horror history here. We got The Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954. Rico Browning died at 93 last week. Man, yeah, so Creature from the Black Lagoon celebrating an anniversary and its uh, star died last week. That's that's rough. Um, R.I.P. Rico Browning, man, what a legend. I mean, honestly. Smoke one for our homie. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's like uh, he was kind of only known for that, in my opinion. But what 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 a freaking role to be known for, right? I mean, you were the fucking creature from the Black Lagoon. By the way, how long, how long does, how old does that make the film? 1954, and we're in 2023. Math. Math. Let's see. I'm super baked right now, so <laughs> hold on. Let me see here. Let me figure that. All these people listening are probably like, it's fucking like you dumb fuck. You dumbass. I did that off the top of my head in two seconds. So let's, 59. 59. Wow. 59 years old. It's one of the babies of the Universal Monster movies, too. It was 64, too. right? 54. 54. Oh, so 69. Nice. 69. Oh, wow. Nice. All right. Hopefully I did that math right. There's probably somebody like, you <laughs> dumbass. No. Uh, either way, the movie's old enough to double our age, but it, but I love it. And uh, like yeah, I said, RIP Rico Browning, man. I told you, them gummies, and then them gummies probably going to head us around the, the plot discussion, too. <laughs> I'm waiting on them to kick in. And... Right? and and we just, this is what, our third bong pack? Third, third or fourth. Or fourth. I don't know, Jesus, man. I, I lost, lost count. Jesus. <laughs> when you were talking about a movie like Spoonful of Sugar, you want to make sure you're on that level. Or or we should have dropped acid for it. Nah, I don't know if we would have been able to follow script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the script would be moving around the room. Uh, also, uh, Deep Red, Profondo Rosa? Yep. Rosa? Rosa, yeah. yeah like, it's uh, Italian. <laughs> listen deep red is legit one of the best jallo films if not the yeah, best yeah. jallo film out there and uh we've talked about this before and if you're listening um and you haven't seen it go watch it and thank me later that's listen, all i'll say listen suspiria probably uh, the, the, the top argento films for me I'd probably probably yeah. i'd say the two most well-known yeah for sure uh 1964 the last man on earth yeah, I went into this last year a little bit. I remember I went into uh, the adaptations, all the different adaptations of Richard Matheson's I Am Legend, but uh, Last Man on Earth, this was always my favorite version of the uh, screen adaptations, and it was my favorite Vincent Price film until I saw the abominable Dr. Fives. And uh, we just talked about the remake, uh, the original Children of the Corn. And again, I'm telling you, like a year ago, whatever episode aired a year ago, I deep-dived Children of the Corn. I went into the short film and all that. Um uh, but uh, also I'll save myself the breath here and not be repetitive. But I love the original movie, man. Just leave it alone. It don't need all those sequels. And I don't honestly to be truthful to go back to that. I don't even know how many reboots there. Are. I highly doubt that all of those sequels are just sequels. I'm sure that they've probably rebooted that bitch like seven times along the way. And now for some reason this reboot was supposed to be important or something. It's like Hellraiser, except Hellraiser actually worked out this time. Yeah, Hulu Razor. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely better than a 3.3, though. <laughs> and uh, from 2000, uh, 2006, 2006, we have The Hills Have Thighs. 
<laughs> I mean, the hills have eyes. One of the best remakes ever. Period. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty fair. I'd say the best remake is the thing. Yeah. Uh, nineteen eighty nine, the church. Ah, uh, yeah, man, a Mikhail Suave fucking classic. Uh, this, say that name three times fast. This movie's visuals and context are off the chart, man. Uh, insane movie to watch late at night while you're stoned. If you haven't seen it, highly recommended. Um, is that it? All right, well, I That's guess all uh, I, got. I guess we'll get on into Puff Puff Ask here, the segment of our show where we read off messages that you listeners send into us through email at highonhorror420 at gmail.com and social media at highonhorror420. All right, so uh, Terry Duckett sent us uh, this kind email. It says, hey, gents, love putting on your podcast and enjoying me some edibles. How fitting that we just did edibles on this episode. Yeah. Did you already uh, read this and plan this out? <laughs> no. A, a lot of our show is seems planned, but it's really just not. It's, as you put it, guerrilla podcasting. I, yeah, I, I mean, like we had that, a whole you know? Graham Spencer month. We'll get into it wasn't planned. We have this theme month. But anyway, yeah, so uh, Terry Duckett says, Hey, gents, love putting on your podcast and enjoying me some edibles. What was the first horror movie you watched more than once, and what about it made you want to watch it again? Sorry if this has been asked before. Keep up the good work. Uh, well, thank you, Terry. I hope you're cruising on those edibles right now. Um, the first horror movie that I saw more than once, I believe was halloween that's i i I don't truly know but i believe it was halloween it stands out my mind the most i saw the lost boys a lot too um for halloween i i I kept coming back to it because i was scared as shit but i liked it so like it was like part of me rewatching it was out of curiosity and intrigue whereas the lost boys was just fun and uh I had fun watching it and laughing at uh, Corey Haim, you know, singing in the tub and shit. So that was an easy watch. What about you, John? Uh, for me, with my dad being in the horror and like such, it's hard for me to tell which one it was. I have to assume it had to have been like some kind of universal monster like Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. Or uh, my dad had the TV versions of Halloween 1 and 2. Nice. So... We always watch this back to back so much so that like, I just thought that's how it was like film. Like they just made the first one and just like made the second one right away as a kid. <laughs> uh, now on my own, I'd probably have to say maybe Friday the 13th part six. Okay. Uh, cause I remember watching that a bunch with my dad. I mean, Jason's so much fun as a kid and still is like, I feel like kids always like Jason more. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but you know that the movie that you and I have watched together the most, Child's Play Two. Oh, it's got to be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Child's it's got to be that. Two. We watched this shit on loop for like a week. <laughs> and then sometimes, even when we I'll don't have Child's an idea of like what to watch while we're or just put on in the background while while, while we're recording, there's a bunch of times it's just been Child's Play Two. <laughs> now that you brought it up, like I want to watch it now. <laughs> was uh, Was there ever a movie that you were too scared to put on again? Halloween one and two. <laughs> that's why. That's why my dad was putting them on. Like he would put them on, and I just, I don't know. Like I was just paralyzed there in fear, but I kept watching. Oh shit! Yeah, I feel you. Uh, I still say like a lot of people. I feel like talk about like what really scared them in the original Halloween, and I feel like it's most people. It's always that chase scene yeah. of, of Lori going across th- the street. Yeah, screaming, For banging me, door to door. Yeah, it's. I don't know what it was as a kid. 
But after he kills Linda and just puts the phone up to his ear. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. Like, like as a kid, I don't know. There was just something about that. It terrified the hell out of There's me. There's just like, something inhuman about it. That yeah. just makes it uncomfortable for sure. What about you? Do you have any you were too scared to put on again? Well, we all know Exorcist. Oh, also, also that, it. How, how did I forget the 1990 I, it? I did not fuck with Exorcist, man. I did not mess with that movie. Uh, besides that, I pretty much was willing to double dip whatever, but I was not trying to watch The Exorcist anymore. After that first time, yeah, that's that's fair. I watched. I got Exorcist a little later in life. I think I was. I, th- I think I was probably about fifteen or sixteen when I first saw it. I was way too fucking young. <laughs> I remember like it was funny to me as a kid with uh, the Exorcist that like like I said, my dad was into horror and my sister watched a lot of horror. I watched a lot of it with her as a kid. Yeah, and all the kids at school kept talking about the Exorcist. And I was like, I want to see The Exorcist. And I was like 11. And I had like fifth graders like talking about seeing The Exorcist. But nobody said like what happened in the movie. I just knew it was a horror movie. And I was like telling my dad and sister I want to see it. And they're like, no, no, I don't think think that's appropriate for you to watch. And I'm like, come on. Like they were letting me like to me watch the hardcore shit. I could watch like Michael and like stuff like that. Like the slasher, 80 slashers to me was like the hardcore shit back then like freddy and i just always kept wondering i'm like man like i was like 12 next year i asked again they're like no and i'm like what is it about this movie that like they won't let me watch right and then eventually i got around to it when i was 15 and i like flashback to like when i was 11 and i was like now i know why they told me like <laughs> <laughs> it was not appropriate for an 11 year old to watch like even like they wouldn't even let me watch the tv version dude right no that the exorcist is one of those movies where like it's like your parents when like they tell you not to have sex or not to do drugs where, like you're, you're kind of like no you're telling me i can't do something so i'm gonna do it but it's one of those things that you do it you kind of renege and go oh no nah, no nah, i shouldn't have done that like they were right they were right i should have listened on that but one. it was funny because like i waited that long to watch it until i was in high school like that's yeah. Like I say, I'd say about 10th grade is really when I started getting into like movies and like watching, you know, just like the history of movies. Yeah. So I kind of was like, oh, I kind of forgot about The Exorcist because like to me, like I knew they watched horror and they're, and like I took the opposite approach where I'm like, man, if they're telling me I shouldn't watch it and my dad and sister were the fun parent, like, like, <laughs> yeah. And like sibling were like, they would let me do stuff the stuff where it's like don't tell mom yeah 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 so like i would get to watch some movies like with my dad and he'd be like don't tell mom i let you watch this so to me for them to tell me like no you can't watch <laughs> the exorcist i'm just like damn like i shouldn't Why? watch yeah. the exorcist like yeah i don't know what's in that movie <laughs> but then like yeah like i stayed away from it and then like yeah 15 16 i saw it and i was like holy shit now i know why they told me like not to watch this Brilliant. i don't even know if it's appropriate for me at this age <laughs> right oh. uh, you got a question over yeah, there yeah, I think. Let, yeah let's keep this rolling uh dakota asks what makes us horror fans so quick to forgive a horror movie for being bad and watch it repeated times but not with other genres um, I wouldn't say Decent necessarily question. other genres. Cause I would say comedy, comedy and horror as weird as it sounds to me are a lot the same. Yeah. Like you could have some pretty bad comedies, but like they're so bad. They're fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. But like compared to most other genres, horror fans know their genre pretty well. 
And we understand there's budget constraints and big studios don't give them the love they deserve. So we tend to be more forgiven and we appreciate the effort that they're putting out there. Yeah, I like that answer. That's good. I, that goes along with what I was going to say. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with imagination. I think that if you're going to be bored to death or laugh at how terrible a movie it is, then like at least like put some fucking monster on the screen or some alien or something. Like if the characters in the movie are just humans sitting on a bench and talking and boring you, then I'm out. You know, so like, you're not a Forrest Gump fan. <laughs> the horror element makes bad movies fun. That's the the best way that I can put it. Yeah, and again, I'm going to bring it up again. It's the same thing which you said could apply to comedies. That's why I feel like, a, even though that's why horror and comedy go together, they're the like opposite spectrums. Yeah, they're usually because I mean you can have horror comedies and shit, yeah. but like they're usually opposite spectrums. But they kind of get treated the same way, yeah. and in a lot of ways they're similar. Where you kind of forgive, like the was it those like shitty like. 80s like bikini bimbo like movies oh that were comedies like Dude, the surf comedies and they're was... so stupid but like they're yes. entertaining because yes. they're so bad i just watched one last week uh, vampire on bikini beach oh yeah there you go prime example terrible fucking movie yeah but it's entertaining <laughs> yeah were you not laughing watching watch it? it i still watched it <laughs> it's like hell 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 comes to frog town that movie's terrible yeah exactly. i fucking own it yeah exactly yeah 100 percent oh Anyway, uh, don't forget to send your questions to us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com or highonhorror420 on uh, most of our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, uh, what am I missing, Facebook. Uh, but let's get on to talking about the film of today's episode, Spoonful of Sugar. All right, so look, before you start talking about the movie and getting all in-depth and stuff, I just wanted to point out something here. Um, last week, we, we reviewed a movie where kids did coke, and this week we're reviewing a movie where kids are taking LSD. Dude, you're, yeah, you're so right. This is like uh, the Graham Skipper month. Like <laughs> You mentioned Gra earlier, yeah. Graham, if you're listening out there, I apologize for how many times I've butchered your name <laughs> so many times on this episode. Drew can vouch for me. I even made sure after doing it on one episode that I was like, I'm not going to do it on this episode. And then I listened to the episode and I was like, I fucked his name up again. I'm pretty sure it was like three episodes in a row. You yeah. said his name several times, but at different yeah. times you said his name differently. <laughs> so Graham, if, if you are listening, I apologize. As somebody who has a tough to pronounce last name and you're totally easy to remember name. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, but yeah, like that wasn't planned either. And I guess the drug kid episodes back to back <laughs> weren't really planned either, but kids yeah. are wilding these days, man. Yeah. Wilding. Maybe American cinema is catching up instead of like letting the kids get murdered and shit. They just let them like experiment with psychedelics. Yeah. Act like adults. <laughs> and, uh, I always say this time and time again, I hate going through the plot of a slow burn because it's always like, how much should I share? How much shouldn't I share? And there's stuff I want to tell you that you're like, oh, this happened. And I was like, oh, shit. But I'm like, I can't tell you that. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, do I not I convey enough of the episode to make, or um, uh, the film to make somebody then want to see it? Am I leaving it too vague? But uh, 
Yeah, Spoonful of Sugar is the superior remake of Mary Poppins. <laughs> I, kidding. But, uh, True, but kidding. I mean, it's, it would be. If considered it's a remake, obvious I would it's pick a play it over, on pick Mary, Poppins Mary Poppins as well. Because it's, it's very much a nanny situation. But uh, it's a 2022 psychedelic psychological horror film. That is hard to say. Yeah, say that ten times fast. Yeah. Uh, starred Morgan Saylor, Cat Foster, Michael Oliver, Daniel Crivetti, and Keith Powell. Uh, Millicent, played by Saylor, is taking a semester off from her studies and taking care of Johnny, played by Crivetti. He's a sickly mute child with severe allergies. His mother, Rebecca, played by Foster, is an author, and his father, Jacob, played by Oliver, is a carpenter. Uh, Johnny's basically in an astronaut outfit so he can go outside and feel safe. Uh, he doesn't ever really seem to be interested in anything except digging up dead animals. And like drawing. Yeah, and drawing. Yeah, just drawing. Uh, Millicent also, she, she goes by Millie. Millie? <laughs> Millie? <laughs> Meek Mill? Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, uh, Millie's pretty disturbed herself, and uh, this becomes more known to the audience as you travel down this weird, like, twisted hole. Twisted rabbit hole, so to speak, yeah. yeah. And uh, Millie starts to form a close bond with the kid and tells Rebecca that there's a theory that most allergies are all in the mind. Uh, she even makes a rabbit foot for Johnny after they just dig up and skin a rabbit. And really just make the foot right there in front of you, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, it's kind of like, I know how sausage is made, but I don't want to see it happen. <laughs> it's still not as bad as the uh, rabbit scene in Pet Cemetery 2. That shit is brutal when Clancy <laughs> Brown is just going through fucking, like, buckets of rabbits. But uh, this is still pretty, uh, pretty vicious to watch. And uh, we keep seeing Millie, she microdoses on LSD throughout the film. She's supposed to be microdosing, yeah, yes, man, but I yeah. don't feel that she's microdosing. Uh, I mean, she's, she, she's just taking drops all day. <laughs> um, and she ends up treating Johnny with it, too. Yeah. Uh, Millie's clearly smitten with uh, Jacob, and he doesn't do anything to disfuse that situation either. He plays into the fact that she likes him. Uh, the film gets more and more dark in tone as it goes on. Uh, some of this left me like so unsettled watching it. I messaged yeah. you uh, when I was watching the screener for the movie. It was like, you need to check this out. We need to do an episode on this. Yeah. Like, I yeah. was like, I kept telling you, I was like, I just feel so uncomfortable and uneasy watching this episode. Just everything's just so tense. And I'm just like, where is this going? Like, no, yeah, this was one that you actually turned me on to. I remember I was working on a pr another episode of this for this season, and you uh, messaged me, and we're like, yo, did you happen to check out that uh, screener that we got? And normally I'm on it. And yeah. I was like, nah, what screener? And you were like, I'm about to watch it right now. I'll let you know. And you said, you're like, dude, it makes me made you uncomfortable to watch it. And, that's and when you were I, like, uh, I got to see that. <laughs> yeah, that night or the next night, I what mean, I put it on. What does it say about us horror fans? And I'm like, bro, I'm watching this movie, like, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel uncomfortable. It's making me anxious oh fuck yeah i gotta check that out <laughs> <laughs> i think it's the promise of like is there we're always looking it's kind of like drug addicts in a way like looking for the next big like what they call chasing the dragon what i feel like with horror fans like you're always looking for that movie that really is the, the shit so there's always an urge like you hear it's fucked up or something there's that that urgency to be like where i want to see it i'll determine if it's fucked up or not you know that type of thing it uh it, maybe not to the same degree but I always compare movies to like the first time I watched the original Last House on the Left, and the first time oh, I yeah. experienced that movie, I just just felt dirty 
after watching it, just like I need to go do something happy. Really legit. Need to take a shower. It makes it's me just like, just like I just I need like to take I don't feel good. Like <laughs> I kind of had those feelings like watching this. Um, yeah, because it's a slow burn, but it does lead like the to, at, towards the ending uh, as things have already gotten uncomfortable and nothing's really happened yet, so to speak. Because it's a slow burn. You're the, the the tension's there where you're like at any point you're like, what the fuck is gonna happen? Like all this weird shit going down, all these uncomfortable scenarios. Where is this leading? And then I feel like there's times where you, it gives you enough time to kind of I feel like run through the scenarios in your head. Yeah. And some of them you're like, is it gonna go this way? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, no. Are the, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is how it went. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think now might just be a good time to jump into our ratings and feelings on the film. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh good. the description Shutter sent us hooked me enough that I was like, okay, I have to at least check this out when I saw the screener was sent to us. So uh let me just get that here. Uh okay, yeah, it says uh the description from Shutter A disturbed babysitter experiences a sexual awakening while using LSD to treat a seemingly sick child from a family with dark secrets. That's a hell of a sales yeah, pitch to like, me. You got me. Yeah, I would have been like, where's it at? Let's watch I it. I mean, we get sent a lot of screeners, so we can't always get through all of them. I know, oh, woe is us. <laughs> but, um, like if you want us to watch a movie send yes. us a pitch like that yeah, yeah for real. i saw that i was like oh we got a new screener i was like let me just i was like i hadn't heard of this one and yeah i saw that i was like okay well at some point i gotta see what the fuck happens in this movie yeah right and i was not disappointed uh there's a lot to like here uh the pacing the acting the cinematography atmosphere i don't i don't want to ruin ruin it but that ending was masterfully set up that you go back and you go, oh, that was good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't want to ruin it, so I'll stop there with it. Uh, it's a solid, as you said, slow burn film. I'm excited to see what else Mercedes Bryce Morgan can do going forward. Uh, eight out of ten for me. Um, Drew, before I throw it over to you, I want to bring up Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I always love when critics are super harsh on a movie. Like, I'll watch a movie. I know how I feel about it. I'll go check out Rotten Tomatoes just to, just just to see what what its rating is with critics. This like the Dave Chappelle I think had a special. It was like a zero, <laughs> but it was like a ninety eight with the audience. Right, rating. right, right. Um, so here I looked it up. The critics had the score at fifty six percent. Damn, that's not even close to what it should be. That's low. The audience score is eighty five percent. Yeah, that's more like, like it. <laughs> it just it cracks me up when like. <clears throat> I'm just like, how can all of you critics, for the most part, be like not good? And like, they're not—they're not the type uh, of people. They're not meant to view it. Like they're not viewing it the way that it's meant to be viewed. There was a couple good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm like, okay, so there was like three or four good reviews from these critics. Yeah. If that, but you're going to tell me 85 percent of the audience that watched it was like, yeah, I like this movie. Like yeah. it's just crazy to me that there's such a difference. Like I said, I don't feel it a lot. I feel the people that give the movies like this a negative review are people who watched it but weren't prepared for what it was. They didn't necessarily want a slow burn film or something with a twist or something that made them feel uncomfortable. I feel that the 85%, the the positive 85% from the audience score is because those are the people that watched the movie and knew what to expect. Yeah, a lot of the critics, I'm like, did you watch the movie? Because a lot of the complaints I read were that it was set up, but there was... Like, the plot was very weak. 
there was yeah. no uh, there was pacing issues and i'm just like what movie did you watch like i know i hear yeah i hear you like I hear again you. i don't want to ruin the twist but what happens you go and, and it isn't even one where i feel like a lot of times you'll watch a slow burn that has that twist and you're like i don't remember that and then you'll remember like it'll be brought up that it happened earlier in the movie and you go oh yeah like this one when it happened i went right back and i yeah. went to, to where it got set up and i just go oh shit that was good like i remember that but throughout the course of the movie i just forgot that right right and i'm just like damn that was well done so i don't i don't know what what the critics saw on it but audience loves it that's really the important part that's like uh that was like me when uh i saw skin of Marink. now i i did not like skin of Marink, and if you want to go to our website you can read my review on it um, I did not like it, but however, I was reading other people's reviews for it, and I just felt like they watched a totally different fucking movie than I did. I just read, read these reviews, and I'm like, that's not even the order in which shit happened that they're saying it did. And I just feel that sometimes, like, I don't know, I feel that people who, when people like a movie, they're too quick to over-embellish on it, and that makes them kind of, like, make the what the viewer is looking for like kind of exceed what's actually going to happen and then there's some people that just like uh hate a movie and then just shit on it but they're still not accurate in what they're saying so i don't know but um but anyway yeah we've seen movies about homewreckers before but have we seen them while they're young adults and nymphos who <laughs> keep a locket of hair from all the men whose lives they've ruined all while all while on lsd i think not um <laughs> Interesting fact here, uh, writer Leah St. Marie said that Johnny was a combination of Lolita and Michael Myers mashed together. Yeah, and I think uh, I might add in uh, a little dash of the hand that rocks the cradle. I like that little dash. Little dash. Little dashiest dash. If I know you don't have video, but I'm doing like macho man <laughs> fingers. <laughs> macho man fingers jesus Ooh, christ yeah. all right anyway the movie touches up on uh such deep and poignant themes as resentment fear acceptance abandonment mental illness and more and uh that's what kept me intrigued throughout even though i had no idea where the story was going and uh that ending really packs a punch and left me in the same frame of mind i was in after watching midsummer which is where i had to just sit and take it in for a few minutes after it was over i just had to sit in silence and just kind of like mull it over and just be like do i like that what the fuck just happened like how do i feel you know it, it took me by surprise it made me uncomfortable many times but the acting was superb from everyone i don't feel that there was anybody that you watch and go oh this is a cheap movie and you know like the acting's terrible the acting was fucking surprisingly very well and the look of the film the look of the film is very professional and polished um i give this a, a solid 7.75 out of 10 um yeah so uh if you're all done Let's dig a little deeper into the movie and talk to the director of the film, Mercedes Bryce Morgan. Today's guest has created commercials for brands such as Walmart, Clorox, Degree, Disney, Amazon, Red Bull, Apple Music, Beats, Google and Fuji film. Uh, she has also directed music videos as well as uh, Happier that was nominated in 2019 for a VMA and was number one on YouTube the day of its release. The reason we have her here today is to talk about her newest film, Spoonful of Sugar, which debuted on Shudder on March 2nd. Thank you, Mercedes Bryce Morgan, for being high on horror. 
<laughs> Hi, thank you for having me here. Um, yeah, Spoonful is definitely different than, you know, like Disney commercials. <laughs> so really excited <laughs> to talk about it. Well, uh, before we get into the movie, you're on High on Horror, so I wanted to ask, uh, do you, uh, for uh, medicinal or recreational reasons, uh, dabble with marijuana? <laughs> um, so it's actually funny. Marijuana is not my drug of choice, but obviously this is an LSD movie. Um, and so, you know, filmmakers do have to be researched in their subject matter to be able to create art about it. Um, and so I would say that that is more my realm of existence. <laughs> okay, right on. Well, um, so before we start, uh, let me ask you, um, with all of the, with the state of horror right now and everything that's going on and everything, everybody seems to be happy right now, what's your favorite recent horror film that's come out? Oh my God, choosing favorites and something where there's so many good movies in the genre is so hard. But like, <laughs> I, I love all types of horror. I really love Barbarian that came out recently. Um, I, I really love like Midsommar. I really love some horror movies that other people wouldn't consider horror movies like eighth grade because I like movies that make me feel really uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, so those are just a couple to name a few. And, uh, have you always been a horror fan? Um, I have, I feel like what I really, really love about the horror genre is you're able to do things that other genres don't dare to do. Um, and it's just like really a director's playground. I, you know, for me, I consider a good life is I'm like, okay, great. I'm able to watch like a good horror movie every other day. Then life's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, uh, that sounds pretty amazing. Well, we always try to watch horror movies as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, now what, what were some movies that drew you into the genre? Um, some movies that drew me into the genre, like I'm, I'm a big Kubrick fan. So like I love clockwork orange and the shining um but like i really it's funny because like i i love all types of horror um like i really love like you know camping movies like i love elvira but i also love martyrs <laughs> um but, like the type of horror that i like to make i would say say that again <laughs> Um, but like the, the type of movies I love to make are more like psychological, you know, psychological thriller, like drama horror, I'd have to say, because I like when, when people are really terrifying. So you like, um, you like, uh, horror movies that are really cheesy as well. Like say Sleepaway Camp three, but then you, but then you'll yeah. also turn around and watch like the Babadook or hereditary. Like, so, so you're like us, you have yeah. a range. You're not just like, I only watch bougie horror or cheap eighties horror. You're kind of like, you just take it all in. No, exactly. Yeah. Like there's so many, there's so many different things to like for different moods. So like, I like horror that makes me laugh. And then I also like horror that makes me cry. So <laughs> What's your favorite, uh, like, comfort movie that's a horror film? Like, say you're having a terrible day and, you know, Um, you want to throw a horror movie on. What do you put on? (laughs) Um, I love this question. Again, it's not like I I classify horror for myself as things that make me feel horrifying. So if I were to answer that more widely instead of just horror horror, um, I would say Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Because, again, that's a horrible movie. Um, so that's that's one of my comfort movies. I don't know why it's the most disturbing comfort movie, but for me, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> so you've written as well as produced, but you've done directing the most. Uh, yes. So what is it that you like the most about about directing, and what made you want to be a filmmaker? Yeah, um, for sure. So like, I I love directing because I love people. 
Um, you know, like I, I like to get into my, my writer brain and hold myself away with my writing partner, but I also love the energy of being on set and creating something and feeling that organic energy that goes along with it. Um, and so, you know, and I also love producing, but I've also worked with lots of producers who are way better producers than me and they should be producing it <laughs> and I should not. Um, and so that's just kind of what led me into it. Okay. Well, um, you, uh, uh, well, you said when you read the script, I saw an interview with you where you said that when you read the script mm -hmm. by Leah St. Marie that you immediately wanted to direct it. So I wanted to ask you, like, what drew you to the project that quickly where as soon as you read it, you were like, hold on, hold on, everybody else read this, I want to direct it. For sure. Um, I think it, it really deals with the themes of family in an interesting way um, because I feel like we, we see so many movies where it's like, family is great. And like, what will you do for your family? And for me with this, it really took that in a way different direction. Um, and made me think about that of like, okay, this is like what these people will really do to keep their family together. Um, and so that was a big draw for me. And uh, cinematographer Nick Matthews, I saw, had said that every day was a battle against the clock. Uh, he said, but we were always on the same page about what story we were telling. It's one of the most rewarding creative experiences I've ever had. How tight was the filming schedule for the film? I'm so tight. I mean, this is, you know, this is a small movie. Um, like, this is a, a small movie with alternative themes. And so, like, it really takes people mm -hmm. making it, like, their 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 baby <laughs> and their love project and so like with that it was like all the people that like were you know we could have and were necessary department heads heads that we, we had together um and so it was just like that every day it just i feel like with movies like this it takes more meticulous planning um than other movies because you just have to work with what you have um and so like i'm really proud with what our crew did that's awesome. Um, well, uh, I, I don't mean any disrespect by this. I'm being totally honest here. I've never seen anything else that Morgan Saylor has done or been involved in, but she was yeah. absolutely fucking perfect for the role of Millicent. How did she get the role? Yeah. Um, so Morgan plays Millicent in such a wonderfully awkward way. Um, and that's something that we really wanted to bring to this and really make it like a coming of age story in that way. And so um, the way that we found Morgan is like, I've, you know, I've, I've heard of Morgan over the years for a couple of years and Vanishing Angle had actually worked with her before, which is the production company. Um, and so they said, hey, Mercedes, you know who would be perfect for this? Morgan. And so Morgan is actually going to NYU and doing her finals at the same time. And so we like took her away <laughs> and brought her here. And so she would be on set and then like in between things, writing essays for her classes, which is just very impressive on her part. Yeah, I mean, that's it's got to be better than being in a classroom, for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I saw that Leah had mentioned uh, she com kind of combined the characters of Lolita and a young Michael Myers in her idea for the script. Uh, did that concept kind of resonate with you as well, or is it was something that you just wanted to be more kind of understated? Because once she <laughs> said it, I went, oh, my God. That is this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think I, I like it in like a, an understated way of you realize like, oh, okay, this is the journey that like Millicent is going on, but then you don't realize, um, not giving away spoilers, mm -hmm. who all the rest of everyone in the movie is. Um, and, and so it was just kind of like, okay, what if we combine multiple different types of people going through different things at the same time and put them all together in this house? Well, uh, was there anything that got cut from the movie because it went too far? 
Um, I also like that question. I don't know if it's like the fact of too far, but it's just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> like, for example, <laughs> there, was cut, there was a cut of like the rabbit skinning scene when I was like in, when I first got the cut from my editor of the editor's cut where Johnny brings out like five more rabbits that they've dug up. And I'm like, this is really not necessary. Like we don't need to see like five more skinned rabbits in the scene. Like what we have is like perfectly great enough. <laughs> and so there's just things like that. Um, there's a couple more sex scenes that didn't make it in the movie because we're just like, you know, these are great, but they're not progressing the plot at all. And so they're not necessary. <laughs> so things like that. Well, actually, to, to go with that, I was going to ask you, um, were you met with any resistance from any of the actors like about doing certain dark or uncomfortable scenes or was everybody just game and no complaints? Not really. I mean, I feel like this is a it's a script where if someone read it and they felt that way, they wouldn't come on the project. Um, it, you know, it's like people have to be down for what they're signing up for. Like, I remember there's um, I won't say like for what role or who, but I remember there was um, uh, actor I was talking to early in the process and they were kind of being like, I don't know, this is like a little intense for me. And I said, like, honestly, like, you know your boundaries like that's not for you at this time like this whoever's in this needs to be like absolutely in this um and so that case like everyone was really on board <laughs> yeah the film just it made me feel uncomfortable and just uneasy <laughs> the like whole time and it's yeah. really a testament to the film that you can maintain that throughout the entire film uh did you, you find that difficult to do throughout the filming process um I don't think so. I think it's like, like what I like to do with cuts is I, I screen to people and just get people's reactions of like making sure we can hold tension in certain ways. Um, and so I think with that, it's just like, that's just part of learning as a filmmaker of like, okay, cool. This is how we keep people in this way or the scene isn't working. And so like we let it go from the cut or things like that. Yeah. Just like every time I felt like, okay, I can't feel any more uncomfortable in this situation. There was just like a way to top it each time. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like I told Drew, I was like, yeah, I was like, we gotta, I was, I was like, you, you, you gotta watch this. I was like, I'm watching this movie. And I was like, it's just, I just, there's just some, I don't feel right. Like watching this movie, <laughs> but like in a good way. No, that's the best compliment. I'll totally take that. And uh, like, has there been any reactions to the film that have like surprised you? Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, whenever someone puts a film out into the world, it's just it's just interesting to see how people how people take things. And like, there's been so many wonderful reactions where people are like, I love that this makes me feel uncomfortable in this and this way. Um, or there's sometimes people don't like being uncomfortable in a certain way. And that's OK. Um, but I also like to I like to make movies that people can discuss at the end. And that's my favorite thing. Um, and so, like, I've really valued like any discussions that have come up from it. Is there anything you hope that people get out of this film? Yeah. I mean, like I, I, first of all, I don't, I don't like telling people what they should take away or think from a movie because I think a movie mm -hmm. should speak for itself. Um, but just like really questioning, right. it's like, I, I think that some movies try to lead you on with characters and making you be like, this person's great. And, you know, like they have a save the cat moment. Whereas in this, we have them skinning rabbits. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, like, just really questioning, like, why we try to excuse certain people for certain things um, is that and just like kind of questioning, like, what is family or like the biggest things I feel like we focused on. 
Right on. Um, well, uh, in a lot of ways, Spoonful of Sugar is a slow burn. And I wanted to ask you, what draws you to slow burn? And were you just following the script? Was that the tone of the script? Or were you able to like t- take the script and turn it into a slow burn? Yeah, um, like I think... I think what really makes it a slow burn is kind of like everything a lot unfolds in the end of it. Um, and yep. I, I think like what, what draws me to that is it kind of allows us to kind of go into these characters and it's like, who are they and what are they going through first before we go into it? And like I said, it's like, I love movies like martyrs where all of a sudden we're like, it's like violence, 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 here we go. Okay. Um, but then I also like, you know, making something like this, I like us taking time to go into like, here's this family in this house and it feels like other things we've seen, but then it takes a turn on its head. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely there right. from the beginning. Well, in, um, in a few scenes, I noticed some uh, very vibrant lighting and one, in one of the scenes in the house, there's like this, uh, blue light coming from the background that just has like no reason to be there. And I, I love the way it looks though. And I was wondering, was that, uh, you know, that deep blue background and his vibrant colors, was there any Dario Argento inspiration there or am I just looking too much into it? (laughs) Definitely. All right. Right on. (laughs) I I love things that are lifted and surreal. Um, and that's kind of like what draws me, like a lot of art I love and I'm inspired by is surreal art. So it's like the lavender that comes in like through the bathroom windows, like Nick Matthews, my DP and I are like, huh, like we haven't seen right. like this specific tone of lavender, you know, to get really geeky with it <laughs> in movies before in this way. And so we want to bring this in. And I think also just like taking that more like heightened tone on it. It's like what the characters are doing in this movie is like very heightened and dramatic. And so it's like, okay, like we're, we're realizing that this is not just set in like a baseline of reality. Like everything's a little lifted here. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Most of the people on the crew and some of the cast have uh, worked together on other projects. How much of a help was that to kind of keep everything moving along smoothly, especially with like a tight filming schedule? Oh my God. So much. So like, I feel like we develop a shorthand with each other. Um, like Matt Miller from vanishing angle. We've worked together for many years and Katrina Kudlick, the other producer, her and I have worked together for many, many years. And it's just like, it, it just makes everything so much that more, um, that much more smooth. Like I did another feature back to back with this fixation, which was at TIFF and we shot that one and then shot this one. (laughs) And then this one came out first. Um, but it's like, bringing some crew from that or it's like I'm about to shoot another horror movie and I'm leaving for a location in two weeks and so I'm also bringing Nick on that one and so like if something just really works you work together well I think it's really important to preserve that and uh how how long did the film get delayed because I know uh I believe you guys were greenlit like right right as COVID was happening how much how much did that really delay you guys totally so I mean basically this and my other movie fixation were greenlit like the exact same time um and then we were like which one is going to shoot first what's going to go when and then covid really did delay us like a year of shooting um but then we were back on and it's just like you know filmmaking is just weird during these times of when things go and are able to because of covid but (laughs) everyone you know came out came out of it with two movies which was great and and with the delay did that help you guys anything like script wise or yeah. Like, did it give you more time to help develop some of the stuff? Totally. I mean, like, I, you know, it was nice to be in COVID and be able to shot list this completely. <laughs> and so I just got to, like, <laughs> sit in my own room with my brain and and go through that. Um, and then going into it, it's like once, once we are finally, like, 
out of being like, okay, you can shoot now. I was like, oh, we only have a couple weeks. Good thing that I did like all this prep time on my own. And that was really, really valuable to me. Had you guys even started casting before you guys kind of um, were shut down for COVID somewhat, or was yes, that after? Somewhat, no. It's like we, we had stuff that then people become available or unavailable when we went to shoot again. So it was kind of like that as we had it and then we picked it back up again. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of trippy visuals, uh, as you would expect with a movie with LSD involved in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, was it hard to accomplish any of those shots? Uh, did you have any involvement with the process? Yeah, not really. I mean, I think what's interesting is there's so many different types of LSD movies. Um, and this is definitely like in the visuals it's there, but it's like, we're not going to other worlds. It's a, it's a micro LSD trip movie, you know, because our, our protagonist mm. is high 24 <laughs> seven. Like it's the, you know, that what's fun <laughs> been hearing the reaction from people, people are like, why is she so odd and off? What's going on with her? And they're like, Oh, she's tripping all the time. That makes sense. <laughs> um, and, and so with that, it's just like, you know, pulling from how things feel wavy and just different reactions to things, I think was just like really fun to carry through from this because we, we have an unreliable protagonist because of that. Uh, now, now actually like pulling off any of those shots, were any of those difficult? Not really. I mean, like I, I love doing things that are really visual and lifted. And so I think like it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that it was difficult. It was just working with small resources Right. So it's like, OK, we can do this. But like, how do we get this done with, with the resources we have? Um, but uh, not really. You know, it's just like there's certain things like the masturbation scene. We're like, OK, great. We get to like pull the bedroom outside, <laughs> like put a 360 track around that, have them covered in blood. And like it's going to be freezing cold weather, but everyone's going to be troopers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, we want to thank you again for joining us today. Um, yeah. Now, now, do you have any upcoming projects? I know uh, there was some talks of you and Leah working together on some projects as well upcoming. Yeah, totally. Um, I know that I'm going to work together with Leah again because um, I love Leah. Uh, but I also I have a movie separate from that. That's another horror movie, and that's shooting coming up in two weeks. And so that will probably be out next year, but just about to shoot that. Awesome. Um, so I can't say anything more about that right now, but <laughs> that is what's consuming my life currently. That's awesome. And uh, where can people keep up with you on social media to keep up with your projects? For sure. So my handle is Mercedes Bryce Morgan, and they can keep up with me on Instagram. All right. Again, we want to thank you for joining us today. Spoonful of sugar. It was a, pleasant surprise to to, to to get that screener from shutter and yeah uh yeah you should take all the i feel uncomfortable watching this as a compliment because it really is it's just you just feel uneasy the whole time <laughs> i do well thank you guys yeah, so much I for agree. having me on thank you all right take care thank you thanks All right. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thank you again for for thank you again to Mercedes Bryce Morgan for joining us today. Make sure to check out Spoonful of Sugar on Shutter. It's streaming now. Uh, if you don't have a subscription, you get a free seven day trial when you subscribe. So no excuses. Yeah, subscribe you got seven days to go see it. Right. <laughs> and then if you don't renew, Samara comes out of your television and uh, kills you. I believe, I mean, I don't make, Actually, I don't. I think the shutter only has the uh, original uh, Japan 
ring films and not the Chinese ones or not the American ones. I mean, the, the American remake. So actually, like you know, you just got to be specific here. They don't. Shutter doesn't have the remake. They only have the My original. Bad. So the original Samara, the, the really scary one. That's the ones gonna be coming out of your TV. Yes. The so, ones that Shutter owns. So to and speak. look, we don't. Don't blame us. We don't make the rules. That's on Shutter. <laughs> uh, anyway, make sure to follow us on social media at High on Horror 420 at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, also, next week, we're going to have Scream 6. <laughs> That's Scream 6. Uh, you know, Scream 6, uh, Ghostface Takes Manhattan. Uh, Scream 6, a.k.a. the one the one without Nev Campbell. Scream 6, a.k.a. the one where they uh, rob zombie the Scream mask. Ugh. You know, but uh, Scream 6, a.k.a. the one that uh, John's going in with no expectations because he was so disappointed with 5. Oh, no, no, no. I have expectations. They're fucking ground level like they got me last year them bastards got me last year with that trailer and i thought it was going to be a good movie you and nicole were both like oh i want to see scream and i was like no the only good one's the first one and even on that you guys had me watch the trailer i went damn this does look good no it sucked it wasn't (laughs) as bad as halloween ends i mean i'm going maybe they'll shock me my expectations are super low i'm still hoping it's good man i'm still looking forward to it so Children of the Corn, uh, Scream, you know, franchises that only the first movie is good. (laughs) Yeah, happens. Halloween, to an extent. (laughs) 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 To an extent. Halloween almost, almost qualifies as one of those movies because the sequels are such a drastic drop. But they're still enjoyable. But, um... I would still... I don't know. I I was going to make a bold (laughs) statement and say... I would rather watch any Halloween sequel than any Scream sequel. I don't know if I could go that Yeah, far. I don't think you'd be able to watch Halloween Ends. But, you know, anyone... I would not watch uh, Court, Courtney Cox Bangs for Part 3, whatever that hair thing was going on. <laughs> we are rambling on here as we're wrapping up. Speak for yourself. I, that's fair. I have been rambling for a while. Anyway, so, Scream uh, 6 is coming next Scream week, Scream 6 right? next Squeam, week. Squeam? Squeam? Scream 6 review. Scream 6. Oh my god. Scream 6 next week. Make sure to tune in. And then the week after that, we'll have a review of 65. 65. Kylo Ren coming at you. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren versus dinosaurs. I believe (laughs) I saw some leaked footage. Kylo Ren actually fights the T Rex from Jurassic Park in this movie. Damn. They're gonna get the T-Rex lightsabers. You imagine you just have like <laughs> <Some> little arms. <laughs> you just gotta like twirl them. Give them a big ass cloak. Yeah, we yeah these edibles. That's what I'm blaming. Anyway, we need to get the fuck out of here. Said, that's what I'm blaming. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't my fault. Catch us later. Bye everybody. See you next week. <laughs>